Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. And welcome to episode 000146-ish of The Mission. My name is Daniel James, broadcasting to you from the UNESCO-listed, world-famous, uh, national icon, big, something or other, Radio City Docklands, which of course is on Wurundjeri land or the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present, and to any mob that are listening in at the moment. Um, now, look... You may have noticed that um, I've been on a bit of a break and I would like at the top of the show to thank the wonderful so-called filling presenters. They're far more than that. They are an essential part of the station, uh, Kellyani and uh, Vanessa, uh, doing a, a fantastic job as, as always. I really enjoyed listening to them during my break. Um, but, yes, I've had a bit of a break and it's all good. Uh, nothing to worry about. I've just been trying to finish a book that I have been writing, friends. And it turns out, and I've learnt this the hard way because no one tells you this, it turns out that books don't write themselves. Uh, it's a hard lesson to uh, to learn, but I, I've got there eventually and I realised at some point I would actually have to knuckle down and uh, get uh, seventy-five to 85,000 words on various pages across the place. And I'm still putting the final touches on it as we speak, but I'm going to do my darndest to uh, stay on air because being on air at Triple R is an honour and a privilege. And I've been off air uh, for, what most of the dreadful election campaign, which seems to be going for eons and eons and eons. It just seems that anyone associated with it will come away with a dented reputation one way or the other, whether it be a politician or increasingly the press gallery. Uh, it's more feral this election than I can remember. It's just uh, wall-to-wall feral. I mean, the way complex policy challenges are reduced down to sound bites, tiresome cliches, analysis, and loathsome gotcha questions designed to fill copy with the real issues when real issues like Indigenous incarceration rates, uh, growing inequity, and I guess the biggest one of all, of course, climate change, largely go unaddressed in the nightly news. I think we can all attest to that. Um, one of the things that has also been happening while the election campaign has been going on, while I've been off air, um, has been the inquest into the death of 37-year-old Yorta Yorta, Kunditjamara, Jaja Rong and Wiradjuri woman, Veronica Nelson. Uh, Veronica, for those who don't know, was found dead in her cell at Dame Phyllis Frost Centre at uh, around 7.50am on 2nd of January a couple of years ago now, I think, um, after she made repeated calls on the intercom complaining of severe cramps. She had vomited repeatedly since being taken to prison and complained of dehydration, and she eventually passed away in her, in her cell. And there has been decent coverage of that on uh, the mainstream media websites and even on the nightly news. Um, so without commenting too much on the case itself, because it is an inquest and it's still ongoing and I don't want to tarnish or smear or, you know, involve myself in any way in what is happening on that day today. I think it's clear to see 
what's happening with that inquest day to day and you can make up your own minds. But what is also clear is um, the broader issue with incarceration, law and order responses to medical emergencies, uh, the drastic need for bail law reform, and, of course, the overarching issue of the ridiculous incarceration rates that we have in this so-called progressive state of ours called Victoria. And it all adds up to the commodification of minorities to feed what is a growing industrial prison complex that has become a stain on the way we conduct ourselves in society. We have had inquest after inquest in relation to tragic matters like this, and nothing seems to be done. A crew flag at the front of a prison or a remand centre or a detention centre, whatever you want to call it, it's just a tick-a-box exercise. Uh, It does nothing. There are deeper issues at play here. Aboriginal people are still being treated worse than second-class citizens across so many facets of our society. And it is a deep conversation that we need to have, and we'll continue to have those deep conversations on this show here called The Mission, particularly in the lead-up to the state election this year. And if we can get some people with some actual authority and power to answer some of these questions, to be put under a little bit of scrutiny when it comes to the way First Nations people are treated in this state and elsewhere, then we will do that. Now, of course, one way to address some of these matters, to change the way we address some of these matters through the country and across this big brown land of ours is to actually enshrine a voice in the heart of Australian democracy. And there are people who are smarter than me that are pressing for that um, every day. So tonight... We'll talk with Alira Davis. Alira is the Youth Dialogue Co-Chair for the Uluru Statement and a proud Cobble Cobble woman. Uh, We'll get her views on what's important over the next few days. This election will very much determine which way the Uluru Statement and all the efforts that people across the country have been making to get that enshrined in the Constitution will go. We've got, what, T-minus four days now until the election, and it's never been more important there, but the Uluru Statement itself is at a crossroads. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Now to our first and only guest this evening. It's been five years since the launch of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. The Uluru Statement from the Heart was born from a series of regional dialogues held across the country, culminating in a national constitutional convention at Uluru itself in 2017. Now, listeners to this program or anyone with even a passing interest in current affairs would be aware that the statement of would be aware of the statement and how it is how it has become a political football in recent years and has featured as part of the federal election campaign going on at the moment. Uh, We really are at a crossroads when it comes to the fate of the statement as such. Um, Advocates of the statement, which have been working tirelessly and fearlessly, pushing for the statement to be embedded at the heart of our democracy, continue to do so. So therefore, to mark the fifth anniversary, um, a new education campaign entitled History is Calling has been launched, a call out by First Nations leaders and communities urging all Australians to act and support for a First Nations voice to Parliament. Now, you may have seen the campaign on television or you may have seen it on radio. Uh, You may have even seen it in in print. To tell us about the campaign and the Uluru Statement more broadly is Alira Davis, 
Alira is the Youth Dialogue Co-Chair for the Uluru Statement and a proud Cobble Cobble woman. And I'm very pleased to say that Alira is on the line to speak with us now. Alira, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, it's been five years since the statement was put out into the world. And as we know, it was kind of instantly rejected by Malcolm Turnbull with the um, with the aid of um, Barnaby Joyce. Um, it's been in the world for five years. How important are the next five days in terms of deciding the future of the statement and, and um, I guess, the future direction of this country as well? Yeah, um, I think either way, whoever um, who, whoever wins, um, you know, we're still going to continue to push for a First Nations voice um, enshrined into the Constitution. Um, I think, you know, obviously our, our goal is to try and have a seat at the table um, and to make um, changes on policies and laws that affect us within our communities. Um, so we're either way, I think we're definitely our, our main kind of motto is, you know, is pushing for this voice to to happen and and pushing for a referendum um and and getting a vote yes for um this first nations voice so um i think either way we're we're ramping up the campaign as making much noise as possible yeah the campaign itself is um is fantastic it's always um, heartwarming when you when you come across it on 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 television or um, on on the radio. It's um, a pleasant supply, a surprise for um, First Nations mob about the place to hear some of our leaders speak so passionately about such an important uh, subject. Um, and I guess that the political leaders, one way or the other, earlier know that uh, First Nations people in particular know how to play the long game when it comes to advocating for change like this. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the... Oh, there are. If I could just ask you to step to the left or step to the right. You're just breaking up a little bit. Um, Sorry, sorry. can you hear me now? Yep, you sound sound perfect. Sorry, um, I'm going... Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, so I was just I was just saying that um, I think you know the voice has been around the, the concept of the voice and and constitutional um, reform has and structural reform has been around for years. So um, our our indigenous leaders have definitely tried to fight for a voice within our country, even pre-colonisation as well. Um, so I think this is you know very important and it's and it's the thing and it's the only thing on the table at the moment. Um, and so we're just trying to make sure that you know our voices are heard within our own country and we're recognised as First Nations people of this land. So, um, you know, it's very important. And, and, and as a young person and in my role, I'm trying to get our young people to understand it more, but also push for this so that, you know, our um, our elders can um, stand strong and, and know that we, you know, fought as much as possible. Um, and yeah, we're trying to, to achieve this goal for our elders, um, you know, past and present. Yeah, I think people... Probably more broadly in the in the community, don't realise how long um, the drive for having an, an Aboriginal voice, or at least Aboriginal representation, in the heart of our um, parliamentary um, system um, federally has been gone on for. It goes, you know, way back. And if you want to look for some seminal moments, go back and have a look or Google up, um, for want of a better term, the National Day of Mourning, 1938 when um, William Cooper and his contemporaries actually pushed to have Australia Day, as it is uh, tentatively known, um, as a day of um, mourning. Um, now, uh, Bridget, I'm uh, sorry, um, Alera, you've been with uh, working closely with Bridget Karma in leading and co-convening 
the Uluru Youth Dialogues um, across the country. Um, what are you hearing? What, 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 are, what are young people telling um, well, they're just very supportive. I think um, there can be a lot of misinformation out there. However, um, you know, we do explain it to them clearly and, and in a simple term that, you know, at the end of the day, we just want a voice um, in our own country. And um, it's been very amazing to have the calibre of young people that we have within our youth dialogue. Um, they're all up for, you know, um, participating in panels, you know, talking to their community members about the Uluru Statement from the Heart and what we're trying to achieve. So, um, yeah, I think people genuinely just like having those those genuine conversations and connections with um, with people and, and like to hear it from someone firsthand involved. Um, we've had so many people talk to their workplace and and it's and their you know communities and it's been amazing. So um, yeah, you can definitely if anyone wants to join the youth network, you can go onto our website ulurustatement.org and and that's under there on that Uluru Youth Network. Uluru It's actually a really good website. It's got a whole bunch of resources and history about how the Uluru Statement came into being and a, and a broader history of the black, I guess, justice move, social justice movement in this country yeah. to get where we are to today. Um, what are some? You, you mentioned that um, you know there's some misinformation out there and some um, myths that you need to bust, etc. What, what, what's some of the? What are some of the misnomers that that are floating around the place that people are seeking clarification on? Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple there's a couple out there. I think um, you know people think that Uluru the Uluru um, dialogues are led government led. However, it's not. Um, we're a lot of we get a lot of you know donations to our to our um, area, and we go out on our own time and and actually make people aware. Um, also, that people think that um, you know it's, it is a grassroots led movement. We do have a lot of community um, leaders and and traditional owners within that. Um, cultural authority, but also uh, sovereignty will cede. We'll, we'll cede our sovereignty, which is not true. Um, we won't cede our sovereignty unless we um, cede it ourselves. So, um, and we do have all these, as you said, the resources on our Uluru Statement Org um, page. So, um, yeah, I think people will think it's you know this this thing that has just come up, but it's obviously been around for years and we're just trying to continue that and ramp it up and make sure that, you know, as I said, we, we are heard in our own country. It's 20 past seven this Tuesday evening. You're listening to The Mission on Triple uh, R 102.7 FM or rrr.org.au. Um, my name is Daniel. I'm speaking with um, Alira Davis, who is, um, besides being wonderful, the Youth Dialogue Co-Chair for the Uluru Statement, um, we're talking to her about uh, the History is Calling campaign that is um, going around the country at, at the moment. It must be um, an absolute thrill for you, Alira, to work with and be exposed to working with um, people of the calibre of um, uh, only Pat Anderson, um, AO, and um, Professor uh, Megan Davis. It must be um, inspiring to you as a young person to see that that's where the level is in terms of a lifetime commitment to try and improve outcomes for our people. Yes, for sure. And I think being two very staunch, strong women, um, Aboriginal women that just really, um, you know, so powerful and so amazing just to be within their, you know, their presence all the time. You know, Professor Megan Davis is very, you know, articulate in the way, the way she explains um, the Uluru Statement from the Heart. I love hearing it every time. Um, also very blessed that she's, you know, one of the close people in my life, but also Annie Pat Anderson, who's just, you know, has, has helped 
Indigenous affairs um, in the health sector um, and just the way just being around them uh, definitely really um, puts a fire in our belly because it's, you know, what us young people need. It's, it's our future that is kind of is, is on the line. And Arnie Pat always says to us, to Bridget and myself, that, um, you know, it's just our young people that need to, you know, continue this fight. So that's what we're doing and that's what we're trying to do and making them proud. But it's also what's right as well. It's our, it's our human right to fight for fight for what's right. So, um, yeah, very, very proud to be in there, that, that this space um, and around them 24-7 basically. <laughs> Yeah, very, very, very honoured. Um, I would, I would imagine sometimes intimidating. But one thing you know I've noticed throughout my time, um, Alira, is that uh, our activists, our people who have uh, fought for the for the cause or for various causes that impact our um, community, is that they never retire. They just keep doing mm. it, doing it, and going mm-hmm. um, until the end. And I might just quote. Um, Arnie Pat here from um, from a media release that was put out, but I think it's very, very um, pertinent, very important. Uh, she says, it's plain as day to most Australians that politicians and bureaucrats are not closing the gap. For example, I've dedicated five years of my life to Aboriginal health and we have not achieved any shift in entrenched disadvantage and poor health, come, health outcomes. This is a problem because we are not asked for input and don't have a seat at the table. This campaign is 60,000 years of the world's oldest continuous culture and more than 300 languages calling to be finally given a voice enshrined in the Australian constitution. This is nation building, it's our history, it's history calling. Um, I think what a lot of people struggle with that aren't so familiar with the way things work in terms of changing the country, Alira, is Mm. how would a voice enshrined in the heart of our democracy affect something Mm. like uh, literacy rates or um, health outcomes or lowering, um, uh, you know, heart disease, those sorts of things. What, What does having a voice at the heart of our democracy do to improve outcomes for our people? Yeah, and that's a very, very good question, um, Daniel. I think, you know, the most important thing to understand is that, you know, I I wasn't a constitutional lawyer or an expert um, when joining this journey, but um, obviously having the professor there, Professor Megan Davis, um, explaining it to us, um, it's very important. I mean, it's a very, it's, it's, our book of laws. It's, it's basically what, you know, government, parliament has to follow. And if we're in that the constitution, if we're in that book of laws, um, it's legitimate, it's protected and it's permanent. People, we can't take it out unless we go to referendum. And um, we know that government probably won't, don't, doesn't want to spend that money, amount of money, but there is money left there for us to um, hold a referendum, um, hopefully in the next term. However, you know, that's what we're going to try and do. That's what we have to keep, continue to do. Um, I think what's amazing about, and what's so so powerful about this journey is that the constitution is never never meant to be changed, and this is, you know, the only thing on the table at the moment that we just need to try to get. Um, it's very powerful because it's protected and permanent, and government and parliament they will have politicians will have to listen to us, and I think that's the most powerful thing about this journey and about what the Uluru Statement calls for. That's very, very, very well put, um, Alira. Um, where, I mean, look, we're all voting on Saturday if, if we haven't voted already. Um, where, do, where do the major political parties stand when it comes to the statement? I mean, I, I can start the batting here with saying that Anthony Albanese, the leader of the ALP, has come out quite strongly and said that there will be um, a referendum in his first term of government if he is to win. Where, where do some of the other parties stand and um, 
I guess I will speak to the audience and say in terms of uh, some of the teal candidates and um, independents and other minor parties out there, it's always very good to go and have a look at their website to see where they stand. But um, what about what about the Greens and, and, the, and the Liberal National Party, um, Alira? Where, where do they stand on the statement? Yeah, um, I know the, the Greens do support the statement. If it, it, if it does get up, um, you know, they won't say no. Um, LNP's a bit harder. However, you know, either way, whoever wins, um, we're, as I said, going to continue to push for it. Um, if LNP gets in, we're still going to push for it. Um, and it's just, yeah, um, we know that ALP obviously will hopefully um, go to when in the first term we'll get a referendum. Um, however, yeah, whoever whoever wins, we're going to continue to keep ramping it up. I mean, we've been knocked down for so many years now. I think we can keep going. And it is sad from for our elders' sake, but, you know, that's why us young people are in this role is to push for change, to push for something substantial and structural reform, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Well, I think one of the greatest ways that we can instill confidence in our elders and to make our elders happy, no matter how old they are, no matter how long that they may or may not have left, is to give them the confidence that people like you, Alira, will go forward and continue to fight for what's right for our people. And having said that, full strength to you. Um, um, thank you for coming on the show and um, thank you for the work you do and the best of luck and we'll have you on again. Thank you so much, Daniel. <laughs> um, before I last play the last couple of tracks, I just want to remind uh, people that there is a new pop-up show by um, Yorta Yorta woman Vanessa Morris, which appears on our airwaves uh, around about 12 o'clock on, uh, on Mondays. Um, it's a show about, uh, well, celebrating First Nations arts and culture. So what can be bad about that? Independent Melbourne Radio 3 Triple R. Yes, I'm afraid, uh, friends, it's come to the uh, end of another show, the show that we call the mission here on Triple R 102.7 FM. But um, until next week, um, stay safe, stay strong and stay listening. Ta-da. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.